Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me, I have my friend, Jen. Jen, welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. Thanks so much, Dave. This is great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we, we had a little fun with uh, starting this. I, I accidentally pushed the wrong setting, and, and I've never done that in like 260 recordings. So we're off to a great start already. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about your life, marriage, ministry, and some of the current ministry projects that you're working on? Yeah, I would love to. Actually, the week that this podcast comes out, my husband and I will celebrate 21 years of marriage. We married pretty young when I was still in college and he was in seminary. And after seminary, we headed overseas as missionaries with a ministry called Cadence International, where my husband pastored a church for American service members living in Okinawa, Japan. And we had four daughters. And four daughters later, we made a move to um, Europe, where we served with Pioneers International as church planters in the Czech Republic. We thought we would stay in the Czech Republic forever and ever, but we were called off the mission field four years ago to take care of my father, who was very sick and dying, actually, of Alzheimer's and dementia. So we found ourselves back here in Colorado, where we were both born and raised, to take care of my dad. And um, it felt very strange to be living on our third continent. And for our kids, America felt like just another foreign country, really. It's quite disorienting. But the the Lord met us here and was very faithful and provided us with community. And um, really, we just looked at each other and said, while we were church planters overseas, I think we'll be church planters here in the U.S. It seems like that's what God is leading us to do. So three years ago, we planted a church here in a suburb of Denver. Um, the church is called Redemption Parker. Our town is called Parker, Colorado. So we've been um, all over the world and we're back here where it all started in Colorado with our four kids. And I started writing more seriously um, when we moved back here um, from overseas. So living overseas, it was hard for me to write very often. Living life in a second language was difficult, but having that extra bandwidth back here in the U.S. allowed me to start writing more. And so God was gracious and kind and allowed me to begin writing for some you know, various websites and then ultimately write this book called Enough About Me. And it's coming out um, as we speak, as this podcast is released. That's uh, that's wonderful, Jen. And, and you write so, so very well. And um really really appreciate what you uh what you write and this this book is that we'll talk going to talk about today is 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 also very well written and very thoughtful so thank you thanks well it's been a joy honestly um i my mom was an english teacher and my dad was an attorney so i lived up lived in a household grew up in a household of, full of communicating and reading and writing those were those were values in my home though it wasn't a christian home um it was a home of words and so i'm grateful to the lord for planting those seeds early in my life and allowing me to just continue to grow in that way even now even though we live somewhere we didn't expect to live and we're doing things we didn't expect to do god has been faithful that's 
awesome. That's that's uh, that's really cool. Well, can you uh, just tell us a little bit about your book? Enough about me finding lasting lasting joy in the age of self. Why you wrote it and how you hope it'll be received? Yeah. Well, enough about me find lasting joy in the age of self. Really, is my heart's cry for women in the U.S. or in the West in North America, Europe too, a, a bit. I would suspect um, we just are living in this age of self. This age that says. You are enough. You can do it. Try harder. Do more. Run faster. Run harder. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And the sky is the limit. So go ahead and dream whatever dreams you want to dream and then exert all of your energy and all that you have within you to reach those goals that you've defined for yourself. And so I look around myself and I see women, I see my peers really languishing. It's just a ton of discouragement, disillusionment, even depression amongst my peers as we have launched into adulthood and realized life is hard and it's not going the way we thought it would. And so this book really is written to women who are in the church or maybe sort of in the church and sort of in the world um, or maybe just in the world. It's written to the woman who is tired and who feels sort of duped by the age of self that raised us and said, you can do it. You All you need is within yourself. And she has woke up or gone to bed very tired and realized that's not actually true that she that's who I want to reach with this book that's really really good I, I think a lot of guys honestly would benefit from reading this book as well because uh, mm. I think they're they find the same sort of have the same sort of things it's like when I'm talking to my wife about things it's like hey she's like hey I struggle with that too and it's mm-hmm. like really that's interesting because I think a lot of the a lot of the issues that well I mean they're, they're the issues men and women uh, go through are, are different but they're also very similar and I think this right. is one of those things that is definitely you know very very similar yeah I think that's true you know I have a heart for women I've been doing women's ministry now for 20 years um, and I have I just have a heart for women and I I spend a lot of time on a couch with various women talking about these things but I think you're right I do hear from men frequently you know where we experience this as well so I hope a few guys will read the book and be encouraged by it if God would use it in the life of a man I would just praise him for that hey well I read it and I liked it so <laughs> great there you go yeah i'm I'm the one guy that'll read it and 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 those things so so there you go yeah good stuff good stuff well you can you help us understand the women's liberation movement and how it exhausts women and robs them of joy in the lord sure um so i in the book i take some time to go okay how did we get here we're in this moment where there's um unprecedented mental health anxiety depression issues happening amongst my peers amongst adult women so how did we get here what led to this sort of crisis of emotional spiritual and mental well-being that i'm seeing amongst my peers what what got us here and the truth is that ever since the garden ever since adam and eve ever since the enemy said did god really say that this moment has been building and you know there's nothing new under the sun we live in an age now where we want to be self-sufficient just like adam and eve wanted to be self-sufficient so in a way this age is no different from the dawn of time but there has been there have been several hundreds hundreds of years building up to this moment um and i I look through that in the early parts of the book as, as i just look at how we as humans have sort of 
over several hundreds of years just rejected that there is a God or rejected these more transcendent institutions or ideas or truths that surround us. And we have said, no, I want to be king of my own life. Autonomy is the most important thing. Self-realization, individual independence is what trumps everything else under the sun. And so in the past, especially hundred years, we, we have lived in this age and even written into law that you can be whoever you want to be. We've, we've sort of said that's a human right. This is a basic right. This is that everybody can determine who they are and um, deserves to have the resources to become whoever it is they want to be. And I think especially as women, that has been a very heightened or very intense progression of events over the last several decades. You know, I look at my mom and my grandma who had far fewer opportunities in the classroom at university Um, on the athletic field, in sports and clubs, just far fewer opportunities than I had as a woman going through high school and college. And so I'm, I'm super grateful for so much of women's liberation, for so much of equal rights. There's a ton to be praised and a ton to be thankful for. You know, our moms and grandmas were cheering us on for good reason. Um, but the downside of that is that we have in a way turned ourselves into our own gods. We have become, we have ultimately begun to just worship ourselves because as we've said, I'm going to be who I want to be and I'm going to create the energy to get there. We've become, not only have we become self-determining, but we've become self-sufficient. We've said, I've got to just rely on myself to get there. So there is this downside. There is this counterfeit side to the self-esteem movement in general for both men and women. But I think it's maybe especially difficult for girls who were raised being told, well, anything the boys can do, we can do better. And anything that men are doing, we're going to get farther. We're going to go higher. We're going to reach farther than they are. And so it's a special, I think, maybe temptation or lie that is especially subtle that we believe. And we turn to ourselves for the energy and the identity and the effort to become who it is that we want to be. And ultimately, we are exhausting ourselves and we are, it's just very detrimental to our health. As you, uh, that's really good. As you, as you talk to women about these types of things, like what is their response to that? Are they like, are they excited about that message? Or I mean, how do, how do they, how do they, I guess what I'm asking is how do they respond to that? Yeah, that is a good question. Well, I get all kinds of responses, as you can imagine. Uh, largely the response that I'm getting from women who have at least somewhat of a Christian worldview, you know, somewhat of an idea of like, yes, there is a God. Yes, I need a savior. Yes, I do fall short. So women who are um, at least assenting to some of our Christian doctrine or somewhat of a biblical worldview, when they hear this message, there is a a massive like aha moment. Like, yes, I have been trying to find the words for what I've been, been experiencing. You are telling me exactly what I have been through over the last couple decades. And so for the most part, I'm hearing just a relief that there is someone outside of themselves who can give put words to what it is they've been experiencing and relief that they're not alone and relief that there is a God who has a different plan. So for the most part, this book is being received really well and just with with um, a lot of relief. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Of course, there is pushback as well. Um, and of course, even I find that in my own flesh, because who doesn't want to rely on themselves? <laughs> who doesn't want to, you know, we, I think it's a daily battle. I'm daily, hourly, I have choices to rely on myself or to turn to my creator and ask him to help me. I I can daily deify myself or I can deify my Lord. And so um, there's women out there, of course, and, and women right in here, this one talking 
right now who pushes back against that because um, really at the end of the day to rely on our creator to to cry out and find our savior is to have to confess that you are not enough that I, I, I need help. I am a sinner. I fall short and I need the God who's willing to save me. Um, so there's definitely pushback on the book and there's definitely joy and relief, the whole spectrum. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really good. You know, we, we have been given, um, you know, obviously I'm a guy and you're a, a lady and we've been given us a, a specifically assigned a gender by the Lord. And so we, we, we respond in, in different ways to, to different things that you know we we hear like my my wife hears something that I say and and it's not received in the way that I I said it um and you know we I think that we we have to be uh cognizant of that you know we have a lot of guys who listen but we also have a lot of uh women women who listen I, and I think what you said is is just really good because you know um for for the guys to hear what what you said I think is is really really important um you know we we have a new identity in in Christ and on you know page 38 you say who who we are and whose we are and and is is that's just that's just so so important we have this new identity we have uh, a new life that we've been given in in Christ so maybe you just want to flesh that out a little bit for us yeah you know that, and i say that a few times over in the book who we are and whose we are is what is is really important and in this age in 2020 you know the idea that we would that we would belong to somebody else is repulsive it's repugnant we want to be self-made individuals who answer to nobody autonomy is king but the reality is we do have a creator who gave us life and breath and everything that we have we do have a sustainer we do have a maker and our maker knows how it is that he put us together he knows how it is that he wired us the gifts that he's given us the resources that he's given us the callings that he has for us so the more that we try to walk outside of him the more that we try to walk independently of our creator and our maker the more frustrated the more run down and exhausted and despairing we are going to be. So we can pretend like there's no creator. We can pretend like we are autonomous, but it will deliver us right into the crisis that we're in right now. And that is a, cri- a crisis of, of emotional and mental health that is, that is it, things are not going well <laughs> for my gender, for men as well. I'm sure I'm not as nearly as well acquainted with the statistics, but if we pretend like we don't have to run on the fuel of our Lord, we are going to break down. And that's what we're seeing. Well, we guys, um, we guys are really good at faking things and and thinking mm-hmm. that nobody can pay attention, and uh, it that doesn't work <laughs> because we just uh, they just fall into a trap and just you know it's just a bottomless endless sin is a bottomless endless uh, hole, and you know yeah. people think oh I can go to the go to the very end of it and it's like there there's no end to to sin like there's mm-hmm. the, the the end is death. Uh, Romans three twenty three and six twenty three. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's goes all the way down into I like to say it goes right down to the very fabric of our DNA, mm-hmm. and so you know you can't yeah. can't escape it, but for the grace of God. Right, and it's at the end of the day, it is good news. My hope is that a, a reader will pick up this book and come away just hearing such good news that oh, I do belong to somebody. 
somebody made me this way and he has invited me to drink of living water. He's invited me to eternal life and joy um, at his right hand. And so my hope is that as we come to the end of ourselves, that readers will receive the good news that there is a creator who cares. Yeah, that's definitely communicated throughout. What what, you, what are some lies you see women believing that attack their identity in Christ? Hmm. Well, I mean, I think kind of at the at the base of all of it is just this drive to be self-sufficient, this drive to um, really to have it all together. You know, not only do, are we living at the peak, I think, of the self-esteem and self-help movement, but we're also living at the peak of the social, the age of social media. So when I was growing up in the midst of the self-esteem movement and we were learning in the classroom and on the athletic fields that, you know, you are good enough, you are strong enough, you're smart enough, go get them, rah, rah, you know, whether it was true or not, that was true then. But what's true now is not only that, but also that you've got to display it for the whole world to see on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So there's now this pressure to show everybody, no, I I really am good enough. And I'm going to conjure up all the accolades and all the applause and all the praise of men, whether it's in the number of friends or followers that I have, or the number of likes that my post can get, I'm going to show everybody that I actually am arriving at that, you know, as high as I can imagine dream that I said I was going to shoot for. So there's just this pressure to perform and there's this pressure to conjure up approval, whether it's real or not. And um, it's heartbreaking and it's actually really life sucking. So I think, you know, lies are everything from I've got to be, I've got to be self-sufficient. I've got to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I've got to figure this thing out. I've got to find the, the, get the education and the schooling and the house and the job and the husband and the kids and the vacation and the 401k. I've got to keep going, keep running, climbing this ladder so that I can reach the stars that I said I was going to reach. And then I've just got to show everybody that I can do it. And the more that we focus on ourselves, the more that we're looking in the mirror, telling ourselves, you know, go get them sister, you can do this. The more, I think disappointed we become. I mean, that's what I'm seeing is that secretly we fall into bed at night and go, this isn't really working. These goals that I have achieved aren't as satisfying as they thought they, I would, as I thought they would be, or I'm not reaching the goals. Why am I not reaching the goals? I'm working so hard. My wheels are spinning. I'm not actually there. And the more that we focus on ourselves and the more inward that we turn and the more that we gaze at our own navels and gaze within, the more disappointed we are and the more we loathe ourselves. And that's the tragedy is that this self-focus, this self-help, this self-sufficiency is leading to self-loathing. And then it's leading to self-harm and self-medication and even suicide in many cases. So this whole age of self really turns in on itself and it's becoming deadly for women. So my hope is that women will be able to lift their eyes off of themselves and find their identity in something, really someone who's outside of themselves, that they can find their identity in Christ, in our perfect God in heaven who made them. And it's it's in him that we find our worth. He has endowed to us immeasurable worth because he is immeasurably worthy. That's uh, that's really well said. Um, really, really well said. You know, we, we both live in this um, and write in this, in this world and, you know, the social media world. And it's, I know for me, it's, it's so easy to, oh, well, I got retweeted that many times or my Instagram posts got liked that many times or my Facebook posts. It's just, it's just pointless. I mean, I'm not trying yeah. to be heartless about it, but it, but it's really, if you actually think about that, 
Like, just think about that with me for just a minute. Like, you're saying that all of your worth, all the, the worth of your words or your work is attached to what somebody else thought about it. It's like if you were, yeah, at a, at a regular job, you get... You get evaluated, right? You get a, you, you you get a, a certain grade, um, and we're giving ourselves a, a grade of if we only get one person that likes our post or shares it, we're giving ourselves an F. And we forget, what we forget is if we've done it for the Lord, if we've aimed to serve other people, and and we're seeking His heart in it, we're communicating biblical truth. Uh, God's pleased by that. He's yes. He's pleased. He's honored by that. So I think what I try to do is I just try to forget about that. So what if if one person liked it, if uh, one person shared it, hey, that's great. That that reached one person. Um, and and I think just focusing more on just ministering to people. If somebody, I would say, if somebody is listening and they really struggle with that, I would say stop writing. I, I had to go through a season where I stopped writing and mm-hmm. uh, just got involved in a local church and and just got away from the the numbers, the the metrics, the everything. It's uh it's humbling. It's uh it's yeah. it's very humbling to when you are writing for um, thousands of people and then you go to leading a Bible study with 10 and you're like, <laughs> yeah, these people are going to love everything I say. Like, like all those people do. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I learned humility pretty quickly there. And, uh, I would just say there's, there's nothing to be ashamed of in backing away. If, if you're struggling with these things, um, it actually shows maturity. Yeah, that's good. That's a good word. What are, what are some conduits that you've observed the Lord use to grow his followers in your, in your ministry, Jen? Well, I think the one thing, the the very first thing that I encourage my readers to do in the book and something that I think is really essential, especially in light of the age of self, is that we have to come before the Lord just broken and humble and ready to confess. And, you know, the age of self tells us you are enough. There's nothing wrong with you. Do more, try harder, you know, run faster. There's there's not this self-evaluation um, in the age of self where we, we might we might actually label our sin, label our shortcomings, and really call them what they are and wrestle with them and confess them. So, you know, the the Lord is ready, stands ready for those who are brokenhearted, for those who are meek, for those who mourn, for those who are humble. You know, I just think of the Beatitudes, those of us who have come to the end of ourselves, our Lord and Savior is ready and, and he, his arms are wide open and he wants to welcome us and to provide us with healing. But that only comes through confession. We have to pause and we have to take the time on a daily basis to just be real before the Lord who knows anyway and be real before ourselves and not sweep things under the rug, but really call sin out in our lives, call our shortcomings out, call the harm that we inflict on others, the ways that we dishonor the Lord and really just labeling that what it is. What I say in the book is what I believe with all of my heart. And that is that confession leads to joy. When we confess, when we are just real about how we fall short, the Lord is quick to forgive and he floods our hearts with joy. And so number one, I would just say is confession is so important. That is truly a conduit to lasting joy. If you and I can confess where we sin and fall short. But in addition to that, of course, the word of God is so key. We as followers of Christ must constantly renew our minds with what is true. And that is by being immersed in the word of God. There just is no shortcut. There's no like fast track to spiritual growth. There's no um, cliff notes. There's no sparks notes. Like we just have to be in the word of 
of God. It's living and active, and it will transform us as it informs us. So there's just no way around the Word of God. My heart's desire for every reader is that they would be in God's Word on a daily basis. So there would be confession, the Word of God, the people of God. You you just mentioned, Dave, um, community. And I think that is so important. Every person needs community. We are not meant to walk this life alone. We need our local church. We need our small groups, our women's Bible study, whatever. Um, definitely the local church and then inside of the local church or in addition to the local church, other groups of followers of Christ that help us just remind us of what is true, remind us to behold Jesus, to fix our eyes on Jesus. We've got to have community. Word of God, people of God, and the Spirit of God, of course. You and I will not grow apart from the Spirit. That's just the whole message of the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the church at Galatia, is we we were saved by grace and we will grow by grace. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and me who have surrendered to Jesus Christ. And he is doing an unseen thing. He is growing those seeds to fruition inside of our hearts and souls. And I'm so grateful for that. Sometimes it feels like there's not much going on in there, but he is trustworthy. We can trust him to be doing something even when we don't really feel it. So this is the spirit of God who will change you and me from the inside out. He is at work and I'm so grateful. So really it's those four things. And of course, that's not like a to-do list. That's not like, oh, here's how to grow to be a good Christian. But this is what I've observed in 20 years of ministry, that by confession, the word, people, and the spirit is really where growth comes. That's uh, that's that's a really, really good answer. Really good. You know, challenging situations and people, they're, they're really hard to deal with. We all we all know that. And, and they can often lead to, to fear and self-sufficiency. And I, I know that you've talked about self-sufficiency. How do we how do we fight for joy in the Lord in, in these situations? Sure. Well, I think all of us, you know, to live on this earth for even a few minutes is to encounter brokenness and to encounter just our fallen nature. Things are not the way they should be. And I think anybody who has gone into adulthood knows that it's just intuitive. This is not the way the world should be, whether it's broken relationships or losing a job or losing a loved one, tragedies, you know, everything from small infractions to just really large losses in our life remind us life is hard. None of us are unscathed. There is tremendous heartache and pain happening in each and every one of our lives right now. And truly it is exhausting to take those things on yourself, to feel like you've got to bear the weight of that to feel like you've got to figure out a path through your suffering and through your pain by yourself is truly exhausting and detrimental at the end of the day. So my heart and my desire is that readers of this book and that for myself, it's just a reminder to myself and a a cry to my community and to other believers is to remember that we serve a God who is on his throne. There is, as R.C. Sproul said, there is no maverick molecule in all of creation. Our God in heaven is in charge and aware of all things, and he's working them together for our good and for his glory. And so let's surrender. Let's not pretend that we have to carry this ourselves. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary. Come to me who are heavy laden. My yoke is easy. He wants to carry those burdens on our behalf. He wants to help us with the pain and the suffering, with the difficult person at the office, with the unrepentant spouse, with the prodigal child. The Lord stands ready to bear those burdens on our behalf, but we must hand them over. We're walking through this life with white knuckles because we're holding so tightly to our hardships. Like, I've got to figure this out. I've got to figure a way through. And Jesus says, no, come to me. Your life is not on you. It's on me. 
I will handle these things. And so the more we know his word, the more we spend time with him, the better we know him, the more acquainted we are with him, the more we can trust him. Because we see in his word, his track record. We see in the spirit, just the track record of what he's doing in our own lives, what he's been doing for millennia in all of history, what he's doing in his creation. The more we know him, the more we trust him and the more we're willing to hand over to him. So whether it's a hard person or a fearful situation, we must remind ourselves in this age of self, Jesus says, come to me. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's really, really well said. I, I just think of when you were talking, I was thinking about what the character of God does as we reflect on that. We, that, that precious truth that you just said, it, it should produce in us joy. It should lead us to remember how God is, has faithful to us, how he's acted on our, on our behalf and even mm-hmm. how he, uh, how he does. So, so how, what is, gospel-centered joy and how does it help Christians? Mm. I think it's so key for us to remember who it is who's asking us to lay down our lives. It is our Lord and Savior who left heaven and came to earth, put on flesh, walked on this dirty, broken earth, on our behalf and then took our sin upon himself and exchanged it for his righteousness. And he paid the punishment that you and I deserved to pay and gave us for free because of the great love with which he loved us. He gave us his righteousness. So all we have to do is look at the cross and remember the cross and remember that Jesus hung there on my behalf. That's who's asking me to love my neighbor. That's who's asking me to lay down my life. That's who's asking me maybe to go overseas to the mission field, to to become a foster parent, to serve in the kids' room on Sunday morning. You know, that's who's asking me. It's not a tyrant who stands far off. It's not a concrete statue who didn't come back to life. It's our living Lord who died on our behalf. He is the one who's asking us to love him and to love others. And so whether it's just that I'm impatient with my own children, which happens every day, whether it's I don't want to serve my husband, I want to serve myself, that happens every day, or it's dealing with a difficult friend or family member or church member, or if it's in fact going overseas, all those those things that the Lord is asking you and me and all of his children to do every single day. It's so easy to become self-focused and go, why do I have to do that? I'm busy. I've got my own agenda. I'm doing my own things. I don't deserve this. Um, it's not fair. All those things that our flesh and our culture cries out. The Lord says, look at me. I laid down my life for you. You can trust me. I have experienced pain greater than you can imagine. I have endured injustice greater than you will ever know. And I did it for the joy set before me. So I'm asking you to, would you trust me? Would you lay down your life for the joy set before you? And he does bring joy when we have carried our cross, when we have laid ourselves down for his glory and for the good of others and the good of ourselves. We've experienced that. We've tasted it. We know this is true, but our flesh fights so hard every day. We have to remember it's true. We have to rehearse the gospel to ourselves multiple times a day because we are so prone to wander and we are so quick to forget. But when we've tasted that joy, we know it's true. The Lord will deliver on his promise to provide us with peace that the world cannot understand. Satisfaction, contentment, everlasting joy, the fullness of joy. He promises it and he delivers it when we willingly lay down our life in the ways that he asks us to. That's so good. I I, I have to do this uh, on on a daily basis because Me too. I, Absolutely. I, I I feel so overwhelmed. I have so much to do on a daily on a daily uh, daily basis, and it's like, oh my gosh, I don't even know. Like, I start my day sometimes. I'm just like, okay, but I know you're gonna help me. 
and and my whatever my to do list is today to to do it it, it belongs to you because mm. I'm I'm working I'm, my job is to work for the Lord and and so it, it all belongs to Him and so right. who am I to say oh well I'm not going to do that or such and such thing I mean certain things have to be done you know in a day but what else how else can I be open to Him how else mm. can I find joy in Him and if I don't just submit that to Him. I'm going to miss out on an opportunity to share Christ with somebody, to, to be there for a hurting person uh, or a hurting friend, which I have many hurting friends, and um, just the opportunity to text them, to share with them, or or somebody on the, on, on a writing team that, that needs a listening ear, or you know, so on and so forth. And, and if I'm not finding my joy, as you said, uh, guess what? If, if I'm so overwhelmed and so overworked and, and so overburdened, I'm, I'm not going to be open and available to be an instrument uh, for the good of other people and and uh, for God's glory. Right, right. And it, as you said, it's a daily renewal, and it more even more frequently than that because we are prone to self. Um, the culture is telling us, you know, there isn't a very loud megaphone in songs, in shows, um, and in our own hearts that says, take care of you. And so it's counter to the gospel, as the Lord says, no, lay yourself down. But that's where we find joy. It's counterintuitive, but it's 100% true. And so the the harder that we hang on to ourselves and our own agenda and what we deem to be fair and good, the more we're hurting ourselves. It's, it's very, it's upside down. It's the upside down economy of the Lord, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really well said. Well, Jen, where can people go to to find out more about you on social media or otherwise? Yeah, well, I have a website. It's jenoshman.com. And then, of course, Jen Oshman on Facebook or Instagram or um, Twitter as well. I'm on all of those. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your podcast? Oh, sure. I do have a podcast. It's called All Things with Jen Oshman. And it's just my attempt to evaluate news stories, what's happening in the culture, what's happening in the world through a biblical lens. So just applying what scripture says to the world around us. And um, I endeavor to produce that about once a week. It's not been that lately, but um, it's been going for a year and I've done almost 40 episodes. So close to once a week, but not quite. Is it going well? People, People enjoy it? Yeah, I've gotten a good response. You know, I, I mean, um, I have no idea how many people listen. Um, my mom listens, so that's good. Hey, <laughs> hey that's worth it, right? It. You know, like with writing and anything, you do it almost for yourself, you know, just to grow and learn yourself. So I learn a ton as well, and I'm, I'm just always thrilled when somebody wants to share that with me. That's awesome. Well, you know, there's a lot that we could really dive into on this on this topic as a whole, Jen. And just as we wrap up, do you want to give a few takeaways to our listeners? Yeah, you know, I, as we just talk more about the age of self, my I think it's such a subtle. It's the cultural air that we're breathing. You know, like fish don't know they're swimming in water. We don't know that we're living in this age that it totally exalts self over everything else. And so I think if somebody's listening to this for the first time, they might be like, what is she even talking about? But the reality is the age of self is at best exhausting because it requires you and me to be fully reliant on ourselves. And we weren't designed to be that way. And that's at best. At worst, the age of self really is damning. It separates us from our Lord and Savior because it says, no, I am enough. No, thank you, Lord. I don't need your grace. I don't need your mercy. I'm going to save myself. I'm going to work out my own salvation because I'm going to believe. 
in myself. And, and the reality is there is so much at stake. The stakes are just incredibly high. The Lord has created us to be joyful in him, to give him glory and to live our lives in such a way where we honor him with all that we say and think and do. And when we live like that, we thrive. It's for our best. And so my heart is, as I look at the landscape of hurting women and men, we are inflicting this pain upon ourselves as we hold on so tightly to ourselves. And so my hope is that we would, that joy and mercy and the goodness of the Lord would come rushing in as we open up our hands and let go of ourselves and hold tightly to him instead. That's wonderful. I mean, how, how, what else to say to that? That was just really well said. Well, well Jen, I, I've really enjoyed the, the time that we've had today to, to talk about your book. And I, I encourage everybody to to go check this out even if you're a guy listening the book is enough about me finding lasting joy in the age of self it's uh it's thoughtful it's biblical if you enjoy listening to jen talk you'll you'll enjoy reading what she has to say i do and uh, i encourage you to get it so thank you so much jen yeah thank you so much dave i really appreciate you taking the time and everybody who's listening thank you yes thank you for for listening to my rambling thoughts and and jen's great thoughts Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.